everyone, I am Emily Landers, and this is How Does She Do That? A podcast answering that question each episode. Welcome, guys. Welcome to today's episode of the show. I'm so happy that you're here and that you are listening, and I hope that you are enjoying season four of HSDT. We already had two awesome episodes go out. Becco Bags founder launched the year 2024 with us. Uh, Caitlin, my friend Caitlin, that was an amazing episode. And then last week we had Jay McLaughlin, CEO, on the show. So I hope that you thoroughly enjoyed both of those episodes, one with my friend Caitlin and with Mary Ellen last week. This week we have a very special guest on the show. My friend Sarah Thompson is joining me. And this is an episode you all are really going to enjoy. Very different from our normal industries that we're talking about and very much one that I thoroughly enjoyed. You guys are going to hear me in this episode, just soaking it all in and learning so much. So I know you will feel the same and I know that you're going to enjoy. Well, you guys, it's been an amazing week for HSDT. For those of you who are not aware, I was in Washington, D.C. this past weekend where we hosted a HSDT meetup and it was incredible to meet so many familiar faces through social in person. And it continues to be my favorite thing. My favorite thing in the world is meeting listeners and HSDT supporters and out in the world and to connect you guys with one another in your city. It was a very surreal experience. So we've done things like that before. We've done a Dallas meetup in the past, but this was one of the first. I had a very quick timeline and we put it up. I think we put up the notification story on how'd she do that podcast Instagram twice. And we had a fabulous group come and join me for the meetup. And it was just, it was just another encouragement that we're doing the right thing here at How'd She Do That. Now, you guys know we have so much going on. We've got the podcast. We've got Patreon. We have my sister-in-law working with me. I just got off of a really long brainstorming call with my amazing sister-in-law who works with me. And then we also have an intern this semester who's assisting with all of our social media on both the podcast and the shop's Instagram. And then of course, you guys see my personal Instagram as well. I love updating you guys on day-to-day things here in Southern California, but we're really doing a lot. We also launched our newsletter this year. And I want to continue to peel back the curtain on what this looks like, how we're building this brand and this business, and we are doing so in a lot of different ways. One of those ways is through Patreon, patreon.com slash how'd she do that. We put a pause on our January payments for Patreon because we did not have our five additional episodes go out, but we will have five additional bonus episodes for the month of February out on Patreon. So that's patreon.com slash how'd she do that, a great way to not only only hear the inside scoop as to what we're really doing, whether it be writing a newsletter, building out additional content for our website, adding new brands to our e-commerce, mapping out Instagram, social posts, reels, all of it. All of those details are over on Patreon. So if you are curious and you'd like to hear more, that's literally $7.99 a month. So forego a coffee, join Patreon, get those five additional bonus episodes a month and support the show. It's a great way to support the show. And I highly encourage you guys to head over to Patreon, patreon.com slash how'd she do that to join. My final update for you guys is one that we go into a lot of detail on over on Patreon, patreon.com 
sponsorship.com slash how'd she do that, but it's sponsorship. So we have sponsors lining up for HSDT this year. If you're interested, I would encourage you to reach out through the contact page on our website ASAP so we can lock you in and share some of the details as to what our new sponsors look like. Okay, guys, you're going to love today's conversation. Here is Sarah Meyer Thompson on how'd she do that. Today's guest, Sarah Meyer Thompson, is the CEO of MG Biologics. Sarah watched her father, Mark Meyer, start MG Biologics in 1999. It was there at MG where she learned about antibodies, performed research trials, and launched new products for the equine neonatal industry. Mark remains involved with MG as chairman of the board. However, he has passed the CEO reins, horse pun intended, to Sarah. Their products are focused on how to benefit your animal's health from neonatal to critical care needs. This includes plasma, antibody products, and anti-venom for equine and canine. When Sarah isn't working with animals and helping her clients, she is likely spending time with her husband and their dog, Sully, in their new home, getting to know a new neighborhood and a beautiful new community. Sarah, welcome to How'd She Do That? Thank you so much. I'm very happy to be here. Well, I am thrilled to have you. I have to brag on you for a second because we were originally connected. You sent over a pitch and I literally was like, what is this? Sarah has to come on the podcast. She has to talk about this. This is a whole world that I I love, but I have no idea about. So I am so happy that you're here. Well, thank you. That's that's very honoring. I appreciate that. Well, it's true. It's true. I think um, for me as a young girl, if anyone ever asked, you know, what what would what do you want to be? I'm like veterinarian, hands down, until <laughs> I realized that surgery and blood was involved. And then I thought, oh, well, I, I'd rather maybe just play with the baby animals. So I think this is going to be such a, a fascinating conversation. I'm really excited for listeners to get to know you. So how about this? How about you kick us off? Maybe tell us a little bit about your upbringing and then ultimately where you went to school. Sure. So um, I really want to start off by saying thank you for having me. I love Mm -hmm. hearing your guests each week. And I I promise every time I hear a new episode, I'm thinking, I want to do what she's doing and I want to go join and help her. And that sounds like so much fun. And that's really how I got into doing what I'm doing now because my dad was doing it and I wanted to go help him. And it looked like it was so much fun. Um, Awesome. I didn't actually grow up in the plasma industry. My dad didn't start that until I was in high school. And so I grew up in Ames, Iowa, which is where our company is still based out of. Um, it was a very kind of standard Midwestern childhood on the farm, um, enjoying animals. And, you know, my mm-hmm. parents and my brother um, grew up doing 4-H and working with horses, but nothing, um, you know, nothing serious after that. And I never imagined that I would be in STEM or in science or anything veterinary related. I had no interest. (laughs) Um, But when I was in high school, our family moved overseas to Spain for a couple years. And it was in that transition um, that, you know, your family becomes really, really close when you move overseas and nobody speaks your language and there's a whole bunch of changes in your life. And so when those two years were over and my dad decided to move back to, um, to the farm and start his own company, you know, the family was very close. And so that is when um, I was a senior in high school when we moved back. And that's when he decided to start MG Biologics. And on the heels of that, I graduated 
high school and decided, I'm going to stay in Ames. I'm going to go to Iowa State and I'm going to work at the family business at the same time. And that's really where, you know, my education and um, my my schooling, you know, were kind of one and the same and at the same time different. Um, I think it's Mark Twain that says, I never let schooling interfere with my education. And <laughs> I, love that. I, certainly, I certainly felt that that was true because I worked at MG and I learned so much about business and management and manufacturing at the same time as I was doing it in school um, to get my degree. So those two kind of came together at the same time. So tell us this, because I think a lot of people right off the bat, they might be like, okay, I'm trying to pinpoint Sarah. Is she, is she a scientist? Is she a veterinarian? What, what does this kind of look like? What was maybe the, the original goal of MG Biologics at that early stage that you were stepping into and kind of assisting with? That is an interesting question. So the the early goal um, was to provide the veterinary industry, specifically the horse market, the equine market, mm-hmm. with a high quality plasma product. And so what that means is, um, and what's not really understood is, horses are born without a developed immune system. They don't get their immune system until they drink the colostrum, which is their mother's first milk. And so in horses that either don't have, the mares don't have great milk or the babies don't drink right, or, you know, these things happen, then disease can come in and they can have what's called failure of passive transfer. Hmm. And so the early days of MG were focused on making a high quality product to meet this need because at the time there were only two competitors, one on each coast, and we were in the Midwest. Um, So my role within that, I would have been a 19-year-old in college. Mm. (laughs) So um, I'm not a scientist. I'm not a veterinarian. I became an expert in antibodies um, because I had to as part of my role. And I really loved business. So I focused on business management and entrepreneurship because I really enjoyed starting the business Hmm. and was then required to learn a lot about science because that's what the business was in. So interesting. So cool. Right off the bat, I'm like, this is so much fun. Now, I think it's interesting too, because you're at Iowa State and your hope and expectation at that time is to come back and work for MG. Is that correct? Oh, huh. Now, I, now you're making me think back a long, long ways. I, know. <laughs> I believe I believe I fell in love with the company probably mm. from the start. Um, to be honest, the year before I started Iowa State, I thought I was going to be a school teacher. Wow. Um, and so my heart completely changed when I was like, hey, what about a strategy? And you know, those early years, my dad... Um, you know, you talk about like, what are the goals of the business in the early years? I mean, if any entrepreneur is being honest, the goal is to make it. Yeah. <laughs> like you want to survive. You're putting food on the table. We want to, you know, be here next year. And so our goals were, you know, to have a really high quality product and to go sell it. And so mm-hmm. my dad is a salesman at heart. He's incredibly gifted and he would travel the country selling plasma And I would be back at home making plasma and doing anything that needed to be done in that realm. And so I would call my dad and say, you know, hey, do you think we should have, um, I just learned about FIFO inventory. Do you think we should have a first in, first out inventory system? He's like, good idea. (laughs) And so that's... (laughs) You know, and so he's on the phone, he's in Kentucky and selling and I'm like, okay. And he's like, okay, I'm, I'm, um, I'm sorry. He said, okay, why don't you go do that? So then I created an inventory system 
And I was 20 years old and in college and just learning about it for the first time. And so it was in that process that my heart was really like, this is fun. You get to have these ideas and act on them and impact others. And Mm -hmm. I didn't know it at the time, but I really discovered that I loved manufacturing. Um, Mm -hmm. Later on in my my education, um, in 2009, I went on to grad school and I I did a bunch of other kind of jobs and some temp jobs and some nonprofit and worked for Fortune 500 company Mm -hmm. and walked away from all of that and said, I love manufacturing. I like making a widget and you either love my widget or you don't love my widget and you'll tell me why and then you'll either buy it or you won't buy it. And that whole process was so um, just exciting to me that it was like, okay, so I, I guess I guess I like plasma. Wow. <laughs> I mean, it's, cool. yeah. Oh, it's so it's so fun to hear and it's so cool to hear you think back on that time. Now, what did you go to grad school for? So I went to grad school to get my MBA. Um, It was back kind of, not kind of, it was definitely when the recession was happening. Mm. And um, I can go into this later, but our business was struggling at that time. So I was like, why don't I go off to grad school, get my MBA. This will be so great for MG um, and our growth. And my goal at the time was to help MG go from being a small company to a medium-sized company. And I thought I needed my MBA to go and do that. And what I discovered about six months into the program, um, and I was living in Chicago at the time, and um, a whole bunch of people in the class were all complaining about their managers. And we were in a high-level business class, and I had raised my hand and said, you know, could, could everybody in the room who's currently a manager, could you please raise your hands? And it was me and another individual. Wow. And that was really the moment where I realized that in this particular program, the people in the room and the goal of the program was to help individuals get from like the 10th floor of of the high rise they were working on to the you know 50th floor of the high rise Hmm. and i really realized like this is not actually where my heart is i don't want mg to have that kind of growth i want my small business to have a really healthy growth from you know five employees to 10 employees and 10 employees to 20. Hmm. and so i actually didn't finish my degree i ended up moving back home and said okay dad Let's you know. Let's go back to work. And by that time, the recession was ending, and our business was picking up again. And we had a lot of work to do. So interesting, and so interesting to hear. Yes, exactly how how your brain it seems really leaned towards the manufacturing, towards the business side of things. And I love too that you would be in that class and you'd look around and think, "Hmm, is this where I need to be, or do I need to just get going and and get home and 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 start assisting. Um okay, now this is interesting because when the reference of the recession comes into play, I always really feel for guests because that season was incredibly challenging and for you uh you know, moving to get your MBA and thinking, okay, you know, I'm in Chicago um and your dad's continuing the business. What were some of the first themes that you began assisting with when you moved home at, at that stage? So um, what we were in a position, if I can just like back up for just a a brief moment, when you say like things really difficult in the recession, they were really difficult. The equine industry tanked. We had all of our hopes and dreams and products in the equine industry. And and so we lost 30% of our business in 2009 and then 40% of what was remaining in 2010. 
And so in 2011, when I came back and we could see that the equine industry was recovering, it was, it was really just like, are, are, are customers still there? Right. <laughs> you know, how, what do you guys need? How can we help you and kind of band together as an industry? And also my dad and I came together and said, what are we going to do? And we realized that one of our failures had been um, a lack a lack of um, diversification. And mm. so we came together and said, okay, we need to break into a new market. What's that market going to be? And then, you know, you're so motivated by this crazy, scary experience of losing your company that you're mm -hmm. saying like, okay, we're going to do this. We're going to try that. And we're, you know, here's all the 10 projects that we think we could be good to, you know, never be in this situation again. And then you enter into like a second failure of saying, well, we're, we're doing so many things. We're not doing anything. And so we really learned that, you know, a lack of focus is an enemy. And so um, we came together and said, let's choose one thing. We have the resources to do one thing. What's it going to be? And we decided that we were going to pursue anti-venom in the equine and small animal market. And wow. so that's really what I focused on. And what I assisted with was heading up the licensing process and the research process for our anti-venom product starting in about 2011, 2012. Wow. Oh my yeah. gosh. Oh my gosh. Okay. So what, and this is also interesting. And I wonder if you can go back to, to this, this level of detail in conversations, how, I, I guess for someone who has no experience in this realm, um, and I love, you just said this so eloquently, how you really went from, yeah, let's diversify, diversify, diversify. And then really it's like, okay, lack of focus is the enemy of our business. Like we have to focus in on something. Who mm -hmm. thought of anti-venom? Who, who knew that that was, you know, an area or, or how did you head in that direction to, to really hone in? Because to me, as you're explaining it, and as I'm thinking about it, I'm like, that's genius for equine and for small animals. It's like that, of course, but how did you guys get there? Yeah, it's such a fascinating story. My dad, of course, had been selling and years prior, somebody had said, you know, we could really use a product, you know, against, you know, envenomations and horses. And so we started making that. And the way that our product works, all of our products work is we take, we have a horse herd on site and then we groom their immune systems to respond to a certain disease. And then we collect their plasma um, so that other animals can benefit by adopting my donor's plasma as a temporary immune system benefit. Wow. And so somewhat a, a veterinarian had approached Mark, my dad, and said, would you please do this? And so we said, sure, if you're going to buy the product, we'll do it. So they ordered and it wasn't, you know, a fabulous product. Sorry, the quality was <laughs> fabulous. The sales were not, but, you know, we were happy to help out and um, keep that relationship. And about two or three years later, he goes and visits that same customer and he says, man, this stuff is amazing on dogs. And of oh. course, it wasn't supposed to be used cross species. And so we were like, what? And he's like, <laughs> I love it. It's awesome. And that's when we said, okay, let's make this for dogs. I'm glad that it's working for you, but please stop doing that. We need to make <laughs> for dogs. And um, that's really what began the idea of saying, we have something here that works. Let's make it appropriate for cross species. Let's really become experts in how 
this generic plasma product can become an antivenom and be licensed by the USDA for safety and efficacy. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh, Sarah, this is so much fun. It's so fun to hear even the details of like, okay, hold on, wait, you're using it on dogs, like crossing species. It's like, okay, wait, hold on. But, but you guys look at this and you think, okay, this is definitely, you know, the route that we need to, to move forward with. Now you just mentioned that you on site had a herd of horses that, that you were able to work with and what have you, what did it look like to move into the realm of, of dogs? Um, that was a much more difficult transition than we expected. Um, Mm -hmm. we had been a company for over 10 years at that point. And so we really thought that, you know, the veterinary industry, like we understood the veterinary industry. Right. And it turns out that the small animal industry is very different than the equine industry. And so we had a learning curve on our hands to understand how, um, you know, how pet owners respond, how veterinarians respond, what they like to see, the research that they like to have. And so when we got licensed across species, we thought, great, we have this USDA license. This is going to be great. Everybody's going to love it. And instead they were like, we want your research. We want your safety. We want all these things, mm-hmm. you know, and, um, and we were a little bit unprepared for that. And so again, going and talking about failures, we I always encourage my team, like, we're going to fail 19 times and get it right on the 20th. And I'm fine with that because I'd rather do that than never try at all or just try and get a home run the first time we swing the bat. It's not going to happen. So we launched, we met, um, we found out what the industry was looking for. And we, we revised our, not our stance, but we revised how we were marketing. And we said, okay, you guys want all this information. We're going to provide this information. We went back and we did videos and we redid all of our marketing so that everything um, was available to the industry. And now they were saying, okay, you're a horse company and going into dogs. Now we see all your data. We believe this, we're going to give it a try. And um, because quality is such a high a target for us and our customers are so valuable to us, um, we know that the products will sell themselves if someone gives us a shot. Mm. And so we often give our first products away for free in an effort, well, especially because we couldn't afford marketing you know, way back when. And also when we launched Anyvent and we couldn't afford very much marketing. And so we said, give us a try. And um, in this particular product, you know, an envenomation can be a fatal event for a dog. And so veterinarians will have dogs come in comatose and then they give Mm -hmm. our unit and they call us and say, it was amazing. I saw them wake up and like sit up. Like I've never seen, I've never seen a product do that before. And it's because the only thing that can neutralize venom is anti-venom. We hope you're enjoying the show. It's time to grab a treat for today's snack break. Are you making money from your content? Not enough business owners can confidently say yes, but you can change that by bringing in a pro to run your content marketing business. As you know, original content helps businesses build awareness, create loyalty, and increase word of mouth marketing. Anna Bradshaw Content Co. offers retainer packages as well as project-based copywriting services and consulting. Find out more and take the free content marketing assessment quiz at AnnaKBradshaw.com. That's AnnaKBradshaw.com for all of your content marketing needs. Okay, grab your snack. It's time to head back to the show. 
And so when dogs are in that position, um, it is a critical care. It is an emergency situation. And then these products work very quickly. And that is unusual because in horses, it's not that way. Um, Sorry, in horses, antivenom does work that way. But in our previous horse market, it is not that way. Okay, interesting. So, you know, previously it was um, protect, you know, help the foals do what they need, but it's not pulling them out of this critical care event with the Mm. dogs. It was. And so you really, we didn't realize it, but we really had these two vastly different groups of customers now, um, which now we love, but at the time it was definitely a learning curve to say, okay, you guys need more information. I'm going to get you more information and to be able to serve the market in that way. So interesting. So interesting. And to even hear the differentiations of what you guys were experiencing as you move from equine more to the small animals, specifically dogs. And correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm thinking, okay, there's, when I hear venom, I immediately think snakes. So is this specifically snake bite venom treatment, things like that? Or what other venoms am I kind of forgetting? (laughs) So the venoms that you're not thinking about would be like scorpions or venomous. There are some spiders that are venomous, but we do not do any of that. So your mindset is in the right place in terms of North American pit vipers is called, they're called crotalidae. Um, That is venom from North American pit vipers is the venom that we treat against in the midst of an envenomation. So in California, you would have, you know, Western Diamondback and Mojave and Northern Pacific rattlesnakes. We protect, Mm -hmm. well, we treat for all of those envenomations. Eastern Diamondback on the East Coast, prairie rattlesnake in the plains, um, any, even, you know, cottonmouth and water moccasin, which aren't considered, you know, as quote venomous, the venom is still in the system of the dog and there's nothing that's going to take it out. Wow. And so it's it's a really important point for dog owners to understand that during an envenomation, your dog may live through it, but the venom can't go anywhere. So now it's running through the heart, it's running through the liver, it's running oh, through the yeah. kidneys. And in three years, it's been calcifying and, you know, being a toxin in their system. Oh. And so antivenom is expensive. Um, we do know that we're working on ways to make it more affordable, Hmm. but being prepared and knowing if you live in that kind of area, you want to be able to, to treat your dog because you want your dog to have a really high quality of life when they recover. Hmm. Oh, absolutely. Now, when I hear this, I'm thinking, I mean, I, I mentioned this, Sarah, before we started recording, you know, I have my golden doodle Maui here. I know you have Sully at home. Uh, yes. So I'm thinking about our hikes. We have crossed rattlesnakes many times. Um, so is this actually a product that is, it should be on hand or is it one that you, you give before this happens? That is such a great question. So this product is only used after you get a rattlesnake bite. Okay. Um, And um, it's only going to be available through your veterinarian. So it's an IV product. Um, So so therefore, any snake bite you should consider as critical care, um, an emergency type of situation. I would encourage pet owners who live in these areas to look into pet insurance that pays for these types of events because- Mm. You know, it can be very, very expensive. Yeah. Um, but that is one of the reasons why we entered the market, because at the time that we entered, in addition to saying, well, you know, we have this great product, we know that it's going to work. The market was about twice as expensive as it is now because there's no competition. Interesting. And so 
previous players had been in the market for about 60 years. Wow. Um, they could charge whatever they wanted. And it got this reputation for, oh, if you have a dog bite, you're going to pay four or five. Or, I'm sorry, if you have an envenomated dog, if your dog gets bit, you're going to have a four to $5,000 vet bill. And people, Gosh. I mean, families aren't able to just do that. No. And so um, now when when we got licensed, we were the first company in the United States or the first manufacturer in the United States in 50 years to get a license for this product. Wow. Um, my other competitor is now importing from, um, from South America okay. and they use uh, cross protection. So they, they work, they definitely work, but they just work differently than we do. Um, and I mentioned that because the market, you know, 10, 15, 20, 25 years ago, whenever your veterinarian went to school is very different than it is now. Now, mm. because of competition, um, the antivenom is much more affordable. It's about half of what it was. Depending on That's your great. veterinarian and your location, you could get treated for 1000 to $2,000, which is still not nothing, no. which is where yeah. I come in and say, please have insurance. Yeah. Please consider um, antivenin for your dog and your cat. We haven't talked about this, but uh, last summer we got licensed for using cats as well, proving oh, to be wow. safe. And it's also available for horses. So there's really, there's options when it comes to this. It's all so interesting. I mean, this is fascinating. And to your point of, gosh, you guys really stepped in at, a, at an incredible time to really shake up the industry and to make changes that are super beneficial and helpful to the everyday consumer, pet owner, um, you know, horse owner, what have you. Uh, and I think it's so interesting because we're talking kind of, I believe in 2011, 2012, you guys really hone in on this anti-venom measure. But I, I'd be curious because you mentioned, you know, your dad has been a fabulous salesman and he has been growing the business. And of course you come in and now, you know, we're many years out from kind of the time frame that we're looking at 2012, uh, excuse me, to 2014, maybe. What did it look like in that timeline to continue to get clients? Who are you at veterinary um, conferences? Like how do people find you? Absolutely. So um, we, so we got our antivenom license in 2016 oh, wow. um, because it takes several years to, yeah, to do all exactly. this research and come onto the market. So we got that in 2016. And shortly after that, distributors were interested in carrying our product. And so that was the first time that we had worked with distribution. Um, and that was really a, a change in our paradigm. So normally it's, you know, Mark Meyer is going to come out to your farm and he's going to shake your hand and he's going right. to talk to you about your problems and yeah. we're going to develop a product that works for you. And now all of a sudden there's, there's far more snake bites than we know what to do with or how to get to people. So trade shows is a key way. We go to a lot of trade shows to talk directly with veterinarians and to get mm -hmm. our name out there and to answer questions and, you know, educate. And then we also started training up distribution staff um, to, to handle a lot of those other customers that maybe we couldn't get to because you can only do so much. Right. And so that's something, that's another lesson, you know, as a small company that says, well, we can't, we can't hire 50 people to go around the country and sell this product. So what's the next opportunity that we have? Right. What's the next best decision? And so we started with distribution probably around 2017 and um, every couple of years, a new distributor hears about us and decides to pick us up. And so, uh, 
slowly but surely the the word continues to get out there and um, that's how we we meet with with veterinarians we do have um, social media accounts that we also use and then I also set up another um, website for pet owners so you know if you're there and did you say your dog's name was Maui yes <laughs> so you know Maui <sighs> has an encounter with a snake and you're terrified and you don't know what to do and you're running them to the vet clinic, but you don't know where to go. Hmm. So I started a website called veterinary snake bite 911.com. Wow. And it has a map feature where you can type in your zip code. It'll tell you who carries antivenom in the area. And it doesn't matter if it's my antivenom or my competitor's antivenom. If I know that you carry antivenom, I will add your name to the account as a veterinarian. And then that way people like you, Emily, can say, you know, I know that I need to neutralize venom. I'm going to take her to one of these clinics that will be able to do that. Yeah. Yeah. That's huge. It's, it is so fun talking to an expert about this because I think there's so many um, misconceptions about what to do if that is to happen to you. And again, I'm literally sitting over here thinking of multiple hikes that we've been on where we I, there was one hike that we had, um, Maui was on the leash and she was way ahead of us. And between her and I, a snake came onto the trail. And I mm. literally ran and kind of jumped not directly over the snake, but kind of around the snake to get to the side that Maui was on because I didn't want her to try to come back to where I was with the leash. Um, and so I'm just thinking of of all that you've set up to to make this a success and to make this available not only for vets, but for people like myself, you know, to be educated and and to be able to know, okay, this is this is what I need to do in, in those scenarios. Um, I'd be interested on the business side of things because it's so fun to hear, you know, your original love for manufacturing. And then in 2017, you you get into just distribution and, and more vets continue to hear about you guys as, as people pick you up. Um, was there a moment during this season that you and, and perhaps Mark, you kind of looked at each other and, and thought, okay, we're, we're really growing. What was a really uh, great growth period for you guys? I set a business goal a few years ago that if someone doesn't use my product, it's not because they don't know us. It's mm. because they choose not to use us. And in the antivenin world, we increased our marketing now that, you know, we can afford to do some more marketing. And we put flyers into the trade show bags that you get at conventions. And um, I had been given an idea. I was attending a trade show several years ago and they said, oh, you know, it's really great if you do these inserts and you do this kind of like register to win, people will flood your booth and all of these things. And I, I was always like, there's no way that works because <laughs> I, I never even look at the bag. That's just my right. personality. I had right. no idea. And so I took his advice last year and said, you know what, I'll try it. I'll bite. And boy, was I wrong. He was right. We wow. were flooded. We didn't have enough people at the booth to handle the traffic. Wow. Um, so from a business scenario, it was like one foot in front of the other where it said, okay, people don't know us. Let's try distribution. Okay. Now let's, you know, distribution needs to pay attention to us. So we're going to do 
spiffs and incentives for the salesmen. And now the salesmen know us. And so now every year we're going to do an online training with the with the salesmen. And they now have a rapport with my trainers and with my my sales reps in-house. Wow. And we handle their calls one-on-one and we give them our personal numbers and say, if you have someone who calls you with an emergency and you don't know, you give us a call. And so building on that rapport, now it's saying, okay, well, now let's take the next step. And so now we're able to do you know, flashy flyers to get people's attention to even get an opportunity to tell them about our product. Mm. And it's one of those things where it's like, it, you can only do the the one next step. And so it goes back to like that lack of focus. When you want everyone to know you, you want to just go and do everything, but small companies don't have money to go and do everything. And we don't have the yeah. energy, we don't have the people. Yep. And so it's just being patient with ourselves saying, okay, well this year, this is the one thing that we're going to do and that we can't afford. And fortunately it paid off. So next year there was a little bit more budget and we could do that. And then next year there's the next thing. Um, and so it's just really this slow and steady steps to say, okay, this is the path that we're on. And so mm-hmm. last year it did pay off and that's actually how um, there's three major distributors. And I had, we had already had two of them within the past handful of years. Um, and then this summer I was approached by the third who said, Hey, we heard we don't have you. How do we get you? And I thought, oh my goodness, it <laughs> <laughs> happened. I am so happy that that happened. Oh. Um, so, so cool. It's so cool and so well said. I think uh, there's so many takeaways from your story and specifically that that chunk that you just shared. But you can only do the next thing. And as you said, and I think so many small businesses. Um, brands need to hear that thought and that sentiment of you can't do everything and let that be, let that give you some peace, you know, do, do what you can do. And as you heard Sarah, just share, uh, the, the snowball effect will happen and year after year you'll continue on. Um, now you, you may have just shared one of these, but I'd love to know what was, uh, or has been a real wow moment for you in your career. Um, so I, I feel like these moments come up every so often and, and usually when you need the encouragement the most, which is also a blessing. Hmm. Um, one of them in regards to the anti-venom product, we just launched a, a bovine product. So a, a product for the, the cow market, if you will. Hmm. And I had sent some uh, sales reps to go to this trade show. I wasn't able to go. And they said that they were talking with it, a veterinarian and he's, you know, listening to their their talk and asking polite questions. And then he looks down and says, you're MG Biologics? Oh my gosh, I love your Rattler antivenom. I love it. <laughs> and so to have that told to my sales reps who then come back to me and they're like, Sarah, we were recognized in a trade show for a product we weren't even sponsoring. Like those things are really humbling that it's like, wow. I mean, hmm. you do sit back and you say, wow. Um so that was in that was recently in the anti-venom industry. But this summer I had probably my biggest career wow moment when I was in Lexington at a charity event, um, at a grand pre-show, and they have a buffet line, and my husband wasn't hungry, and my other colleagues had already gone through. And so I'm <laughs> in the buffet by myself. And the thing about these events is that no one's wearing their name tags, unlike at a trade show. You know, so yes. I really do not know who's in line with me. Um, and and there's, there's you know, some women in front of me and we just kind of, you know, catch up on conversation. 
And everybody's being vague, like, oh, you're from the area. Nice to meet you. And so they finally said, oh, what do you do? And I said, well, you know, I'm, I'm a plasma company. Um, just assuming that they're not going to know. I'm just a plasma company. And she goes, oh, are you MG? Uh. And I was like, uh, yeah. And she goes, what do you do for them? And I said, well, I'm, uh, I'm CEO. <laughs> and she goes, oh, my gosh, you really are MG. And I was like, yeah, you know, my, my dad started the company. Um, can I ask, how do you know MG? She said, I use your plasma on the foals. I love your plasma, but I actually work in the stallion barn. And I said, oh, what stallion barn do you work in? And she names the farm that currently has the two triple crown winners Wow! in, um, that are currently alive. And so wow. American Pharaoh won the, the triple crown in 2015 and justify run the triple crown in 2018. And it had been a 37 year drought before American Pharaoh won, you know, the last winner was in 1978. So from my personal standpoint, I've been working in the equine industry for 20 years. <laughs> we work with racehorses or, you know, the foals all the time. Every year we're selling thousands of liters of plasma to this industry and now there's two triple crown winners. And so it had been on like my silent little bucket list in my heart that like mm. someday I'd love to meet the triple crown winners. Oh. So I'm chatting with her and she's wonderful. And and I couldn't believe that she even knew knew who I was or knew my products. Um, and then she says, what are you doing tomorrow morning? Do you want to come meet American Pharaoh? Oh, my gosh. I was like, yes, I do. <laughs> so, um, that was my personal wow moment that was like, no one would have possibly known. I couldn't have orchestrated it. There's oh. no way I could as a sales rep, please let me, you know, meet this horse. Right. But um, but I just like I was just really humbled by that. And I, you know, ended up calling my dad and I'm like, number one, you're never gonna believe what just happened to me. Uh. And number two, you're never gonna believe that they knew us just by saying that we were a plasma company. And him and I just kind of had this moment of like, wow, it took us 24 years. <laughs> Wow. And and people are, you know, are saying, Oh, your plasma company are UMG. So, so we've cool. we've been very encouraged um and just really proud of our products and the the reputation that, that the products have in the industry. Oh my gosh. Yes, as you should be. I mean, I'm so happy that I asked. I love that story. And I'm sure that was just such a pinch me moment. There, There is no higher level um, of potential client for you guys. I mean, that's, that's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. And for you to be able to go and to meet them and for it to be a silent bucket list, uh, you know, moment that, that came to fruition. It, it makes me so excited. I'm, I'm jealous. I'm like, Oh, I want to go meet them. How cool is that? That's so right. much fun. Thank Love. you. Yes. Oh, awesome. Well, I would love to know too, and, and this is going to be fun getting to know you a bit more on today's call. Um, I, I'd love to know what would you say is maybe the greatest lesson you have learned? Um, I mean, to, there's like a dozen that are like, wow, those were all top moments in my career. But I, I am taken back to an early lesson that has been with me for about 20 years now. Um, mm -hmm. And it was when I was starting out in regulations. MG had been a company for several years. Um, we had been regulated. We had had an inspection and I was frustrated. Um, and so I happened to be in this national meeting and the regulators are in the room and we're at the coffee hour and I see one of them and I go and introduce myself and I may be 25. So I can imagine I was probably an awkward introduction as I'm talking <laughs> with this regulator. Um, 
And she asks me how things are going, which was very kind. And I've since become very good friends with her, but I, I hadn't met her at that point. She asks me how things are going. And I say, well, you know, we had our first inspection and I'm just really frustrated because the inspection guys, you know, were saying this, but the policy people who are in the offices say that. And I've submitted all these documentation to the to the government. And, you know, I thought you guys would know because, you know, you're you're the experts at, at, at my company because you guys regulate me. And mm. she said, oh, Sarah, she goes, you are your own expert. And, and she goes on to say, like, there's no possible way that we could know everything that every department would possibly say to you. So when we get there, you tell us. Hmm. You think it's going to be A, but it's actually B, C, and D. And here's the documentation that shows it. And that concept of you are your own expert has stayed with me throughout my personal life and my professional life. When somebody hmm. says, you know, a competitor says, well, you can't do that. I said, well, I'm my own expert. <laughs> I'm not yeah. going to listen to you. You know, I I know what I can and cannot do. You know, when I had a health scare and I said, you know, something's not right, I was like, I am my own expert and was able to advocate for the things that I needed because no one else knows. You know, when yeah. there was financial issues and the bankers didn't understand our, our business, it was us saying, you know, we are our own experts. We know the opportunities we have here. This is what's worth risking. And so from an entrepreneurial standpoint and a growing the business standpoint, I sit back and I think, you know, what am I my own expert about and how do we Im improve on that? And how do I take the opportunities that I uniquely know to further the company, to make a better strategy, to make the next decision? Mm, so well said. And, and I think too, to step into that confidence and to say, no, not, I, I really am my own expert, you know? Um, and to, to say, yeah, this is, this is my expertise, my area, and, and I'm going to rock and roll with it. So uh, beautifully said, I love that. I love that answer and that encouragement. Um, and, and gosh, this, this has been amazing. I'm so grateful to you for, for taking the time to, to speak with me and to chat. And as I've gotten to know you and a little bit more about MG, I know there is always something coming up. So what's next for you guys? Well, we're still doing a lot of research. Um, you know, every few, when you're a small company, it takes every few years, you kind of have a new thing coming up. And so we just launched a product in the bovine market called ACD Care, which is um, plasma from donors vaccinated against Clostridium perfringens A, C, and D. And so that's really... Um, you know, a disease that works in, in the diarrhea world with neonatal calves and with older calves and sheeps and goats. And we're doing a focus on um, diarrhea products. And so we're doing research with that with um, various clients and um, universities. And we're looking forward to getting that out into the market wow. when it's ready. Wow. Well, I know many people will be very grateful for that work and for, for that uh, to come. They'll be very pleased to have that in hand, I'm sure. It, it's amazing. I mean, to think of all of the different things that you guys are stepping into, I, I have just so enjoyed hearing about it. Um, but, but is there anything we didn't cover that you'd actually like to? I don't think so. I think we did cover everything. 
Well, I, I think so too. I mean, I know that I could continue talking to you for hours and asking you more questions, but this has been such a treat. And I think one of the coolest things to me um, about your story is uh, your commitment to this company, your commitment to family, your commitment to its growth. Um, and you have met so many amazing people along the way, even through some of your stories. We know you're a great networker and person to know. So I'd love to ask you, who do you maybe know that should come on and share their story? Yeah, I love that you asked this question because I just feel like it's just all of us cheerleading each other on. Um, yes. I have a friend, Jessie Economist in Des Moines. Um, she has an interior design studio that she started in 2020 oh, called wow. Jade Studio. And um, she's lovely and I think would be a great fit. And then one of my neighbors actually started um, Simple Purposeful Living on Instagram. Erin Port is her name. And I think you would just really love chatting with her as well. Amazing. Well, I'm so glad that I asked. Thank you for such awesome recommendations. You all have to stay tuned for a potential episode with Jesse and Erin. Oh my goodness. Now, this is so fun and has been amazing. I'm sure many people have already looked you up. They're like, oh, I want to learn more. What is going on? I got to check out. MG and all that you're doing, but you tell us where can listeners connect with you? Great. So um, I already mentioned one of the websites that is really meant for you as listeners, as dog cat owners, veterinary snakebite911.com will help you locate antivenom if you ever need it. It'll be me or my competitor, just antivenom. Please use it. Uh, for my company, we're at mgbiologics.com. Um, and we also have social media at mgbiologics. And we have a special one for Rattler Antivenom, where we have some fun with memes and other things. Um, if you're interested in me personally, I'm on Instagram at sarah.meyer.thompson. Amazing. Oh, well, Sarah, this was such a treat to chat with you. Thank you again for joining me on the show. Thank you all for listening to today's episode of How'd She Do That? I am Emily Landers. You can follow me on Instagram at Emily Landers and the podcast at How'd She Do That Podcast. We hope you'll head to shophsdt.com. Can't wait to see what you pick out. Don't forget to subscribe to the show and our new newsletter so you don't miss our upcoming guest and upcoming products added to shophsdt.com. We will talk to you soon.